Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. My friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play, and I'm crazy for love, but I'm not coming on. I'm just paying my rent every day in the Tower of Song. said to Hank Williams, how lonely does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all night long. Oh, a hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song. Here we go, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. The Empress Dale Bridge is indisposed. And in her place we have the me. princely, the princely Andy. How yeah. art thou, Andy? I'm good, thank you. Are you ready to, uh, we've got a, one of these X-rated interviews with a radical. Are you ready to press ready the button? Ready to roll, yeah. yeah. You're ready to press the button. Oh, you never know what things are going to say. And we have amongst us an EAM. Jessica Harrison, E-A-M. Do you know what an E-A-M is? I don't, I'm afraid. No respect, have they, Jessica? No respect. A Eureka Estrade medalist we have in this studio that I'm interviewing. Yeah, cool. I'm from Ballarat. He's from Ballarat, Ah, good one. Yeah, he claims he's got... They all claim links to the... Shamble around Ballarat. Yeah, to be verified is the key. I think he was actually one of the... One of the spies, mm. the police spies his family comes from. Uh, the I good enoughs, that. the good enoughs. Yeah. I had a, you like this, Jessica, because you go up every year to the Ballarat, just as an aside. You know, look, people write to you about their family and this bloke said, oh, I'm related to such and such. <laughs> and I wrote back and I said, well, he was this police spy who was actually used in the 12 trials. He never wrote. Never, never, Ooh. never email me back. Well, last year someone was related to someone who hid in a ditch yeah, and yeah. survived that way. Her great great grandmother. Yeah, a lot of us. Yeah. Now, Jessica, we only ask two questions on the on this program. They're very simple. Even I can ask them, and it has to be simple. One is just to orientate listeners. What year were you born? Okay, fifty-five. Nineteen fifty-five. Yeah. That's last century, Jessica. I know, it sounds pretty bad. It is pretty bad, 55. That means you're over 60. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Another person about to drop off the old (laughs) limb. 55. (laughs) What's the first thing you remember? Okay, well, the first thing I remember is 
um, rain and wind battering against some windows, louvers, well, I think. That is, that is a good memory, rain well, and wind, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was DY, where I was uh, when I was zero to five. Where? Or where? DY, DY Headland. D-Y. D-Y, as in Sydney. Is, yeah. that, is that like Wi-Fi? No. <laughs> no, no. It's well a suburb in that. Sydney. Yeah. It's a suburb in Sydney. And we were the first people to live up on that headland, apparently, first white people. Oh, um, so this was a family kind of farm yeah, or something? Well, oh, it was just a house, really. A house. Um, yeah. and, or it could have been where I, where I was a kid on um, Maclay Island in Moreton Bay. Maclay Island. I've been yeah. to Maclay Island. Ah. It's the end of the earth. Yeah, well... I used to sell real estate there that didn't exist in the 60s. Exactly, they sold mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, that's right. We were, again, lucky because our house was quite high up. So they didn't sell your house. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was so funny. People would go, they buy, and they go there, and, they, and it was swamp. Mm. Well, it was mud flats, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Carragarra has got yeah. a lot of things happening, and Carragarra, the ferry used to drop into. Now they've got yeah. some amazing local food initiative. Ah, yeah. ah. What, they s- filtering mud? <laughs> I don't know, but... That's about all they could do. So, so DY, you were there, what, for about five years? Yep. Were there? Mm. Are your parents still alive? Um, no, they're not. Good, we can say good things about them then. <laughs> yeah, well, I can, What, what, yeah. what was your... Um, Childhood like at DY, what you oh, remember of it? Well, I don't really remember much of the zero to five. My mm. parents split up when I was about five. Right. And so we headed off on a whole lot of adventures because my mum was really never happy until she was planning to go somewhere else. I like her. <laughs> and she was a bit of a, a radical. So yeah. How didn't... was she a radical? Oh, well, she sort of knew people around the push sort of scene. Right. Could she you actually... explain to people what the push was? Oh, the Sydney push was yeah. just a group of sort of rat bags and intellectuals around the Hedonists. Sydney, the 50s. Yeah. Hedonists. And she actually did have a wild affair with a German anarchist mm. who was part mm. of, the, mm. who fought in the Spanish Revolution. Yeah, they used to have a lot of wild affairs. And oh, of yeah. That was their main political <laughs> action, I think. Because right. I did do some research on them okay. in the 80s. And, but uh, the, th- the romantic thing is she mm. had a wild fling with him, I think, when she was still with my dad. But anyway, mm. that's another ah, story. Ah, no wonder but, they separated. Yeah, no, well, anyway, that's another story. But she ended up re-meeting him in New Zealand when she was about probably my age now. Uh, and what, and they got they together got again? got together for a while until they had a big blow-up about something. Uh, so when did your mother die? Oh, nine years ago. Nine years ago. And was your relationship... What was that like? Yeah, pretty good, pretty fiery. Although mm. she did say when I was about 20 that being an anarchist, I was going to end up dead in a ditch. Right. Well, she, that didn't she ensue. Knew, she knew about that German anarchist. I'm sure he told her a lot of stories about <laughs> well, dead anarchists and ditches in, that's right. during Spain, Spanish Revolution. And your dad, did you have any contact with him after um, you separated? Mm, for only a couple of times right. we, met up, yeah. we met up. So he had a colourful past. Him and his mum escaped from the Nazis from... Mm-hmm. Um, Austria, because he was half Jewish, they right. left him actually beaten, senseless, senseless in a ditch yeah. in Vienna. Yeah, so mm. I was lucky to, <laughs> to get here. Yeah. To get, yeah, he was so lucky obvi- to get here. So obviously he was carrying all his um, issues with him all his life. Probably, yeah. yeah. We, we don't think of our parents having issues, do we? No, that's no, right. They're just, they're just our parents, you know, yeah. they've got to be perfect. And yeah, then, for and sure. Then, and as you get older, you realise... Well, maybe they weren't as bad as I thought they were. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I had hardly saw him, but he was an electrician, so I kept that tradition going. Right, well, we'll talk about that. So you went from there to Maclay Island. 
And what, what did your mum oh, do there? A few other little islands first. Why did she like Ireland? She island did. Island well, island. one of her reasons was to keep away from the authorities because she didn't think much of the authorities. Why um, would she keep away from... <laughs> well, partly because she didn't want to send us to school. How many of you were there? Oh, just me and my sister. And your sister yeah. younger or older? Younger, yeah. Is she still with us? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> so she didn't want to send you to no, school. Any particular reason? Oh, because she sort of didn't believe in the state system influencing mm. young minds and, right. and you know, moulding them into conformity, I mm. suppose. Why don't you send you to a Catholic school? Then? <laughs> she didn't what? believe in the state system. There's always the Catholic oh, schools. Well, she would have um, actually <laughs> probably spit, I don't want to <laughs> say anything on the nice, in the nice studio, but yeah, she would yeah. have said that. She actually, another th- funny thing she did was she believed in freedom for children as well. Well, mm. and so she ended up taking posing me with a cigarette in my mouth, mm. saying that I would have the right to smoke if I wanted to. This is before it came out mm. about, of course, what smoking does to you. But it's mm. that sort of thing of level of extremes. Of right. Yeah. Well, was she concerned that her children were going to be taken away? Oh yeah, she was. So, she used to why. say that occasionally if we didn't do our, our schoolwork, which was by correspondence, mm. that. That authorities would be in and we'd be out. Mm. So she yeah. had this fear, obviously, because obviously yeah. you're living a hand-to-mouth existence because there was no yeah. social security net in those There was days. a little bit. It was there wasn't there? for right. quite a while until we got our widow's pension yes. through, which yeah. um, was what they awarded women mm. if they were divorced because mm. you weren't. it was supposed to be so horrific, the idea mm. of women being divorced, that, that they called it a widow's Close pension. pension. Yeah. So we lived on that. Mm. Yeah, I, had a, I had an aunt who was a widow. And she got a widow's pension, remember that? Oh, right. These days, they'd make you go through. <laughs> Just heard today. Well, you, they, have... They, you have to disinter the body to show <laughs> the bloke was dead these days. Yeah. Oh, we won't talk about that. We want to talk about nice things. So, McLean, what, what do you do as a kid there? Oh, I ran around in the mud. <laughs> yeah. And um, we grew at some of our own food mm. and things. And we had a lot of plans about going boating. We helped. I helped a local a neighbour mapped some of the de- mm. the depths because, yeah. of course, all around Moreton Bay there were a lot of areas where you go aground in a matter of, a, of seconds. Yeah. But it was interesting, isn't it, that period? There wasn't that authority there all the time and you could actually live outside of society. Yeah, for that sure. History. Yeah. On the clay, there wasn't... The other kids used to get shuffled off to another island to mm. go to school every mm. day and mm. so they did ask if they could... Um, if they set up a school whether we could be sent to it and my mum said, no way. So, mm. um, but yeah, Coochie Mudlow was another nice. Little he went to Coochie Mudlow too. We lived there. They were selling real estate there too, you know. Yeah, no for sure. But <laughs> they don't talk about the mosquitoes and the sand flies. No, no, no. It's the uh, there's this place in the Gippsland Lakes. What is it? It's got all the, the sand flies. Remember, I went there once and stayed there a few oh, nights. Camped, um, um, not sea spray. Um, oh, Raymond does, Island. No, I don't know what it was, but. I walked out the first night and said, oh, okay, get some fresh air. Yeah. And I walk out of the tent and there's, there's a wall. Yeah. <laughs> a wall. Yeah. They're just there, billions of them. Well, we had to cope with them and you'd get infected sand yeah. fly bites. And there's no doctors in those days. No, and no. you wouldn't be able to afford antibiotics. And No, no. Yeah. We just, I don't know quite what we did. But it would have been a bit stressful being having two young kids running around yeah. the place. But we just had a great time on the whole. My sister doesn't feel quite the same way. What does she feel like? Well, she said she would have liked to be a vet. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't really, we didn't, apart from the correspondence school, we didn't really do any school apart for one year. Mm. Um, so she said that didn't particularly help her. But. Right, right. So what, so how long did you last on these, these oh. island hoppings? Um, we had a sudden burst of going to Stradbroke Island, right. um, where mm. my mum got a job. 
A job. Yeah, which doing, is shocking. What would you do in straight oh, back in the 60s? Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto. Yeah. What was she doing there? Oh, well, she was a secretary. Oh, right. But, yeah. um, so we got to go to the local school and mm-hmm. and that was, uh, was sort of fun in a way because we just remember running around with bare feet and I remember mm-hmm. the, the wild horses coming through the, through Dunwich. Yeah. And we got to know all the local indigenous kids. Yeah. And unfortunately, and my mum heard the kids were getting hit in the school, so she spread a rumour around the town that if, uh, if we were hit, um, she'd go straight to the police. So we didn't get hit. Right. And um, so it wouldn't. Me- it meant that we were sort of. Sl- I was lucky, but mm. I didn't stop me being really upset, especially mm. when the indigenous, the littlest indigenous kid in the school, mm. used to get hit mm. with and a blackboard ruler. Yeah, pretty common in those days. Yeah, it wasn't unusual. No. I mean, they should have. They should have hit you because the cops wouldn't have cared. Because <laughs> that was normal in schools. I mm. remember it was quite normal. Mm. Normal behaviour. You know, if you didn't get hit by a ruler once a week, you weren't a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it was like. And then when you got older, there was the cane. Oh, yeah. The strap. All kinds of sadism. Yeah, it was yeah. great, you know. <laughs> it kind of prepared you to be a masochist or a sadist. Mm. No, but truly, people don't think, what, what? You'd hit kids? Of course you did. Yeah. It was, it was normal. Mm. Yeah, mm. I don't know why they believe it. Police would do something, especially on North Stradbroke Island. Yeah, well, that's right. You're a long way from any, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> uh, so how, how long did you last there? Just a year? Just about a year. Yeah, well, actually less than a year on Stradbroke. So she had enough of the Rio yeah. Tinto. Oh, yeah. And I remember another crucial thing was my sister ate one mm. of those horrible little cakes that you uh, they have out by the toilet, by oh, the open yeah. toilet, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that always have a horrible little cake that would make supposedly make it smell okay and she accidentally yeah. ate one of those yeah. <laughs> so, so been DDT that. mainly <laughs> anyway I remember that being a big drama at the time she was very sick or? oh yeah there was some kind of thing of making a throw having to make a throw, throw up, up and yeah. it was all Epicac. very Epicac used to give yeah. it Epicac make him throw up yeah Any, universal anyway. treatment for poisoning mm. anyway we went to Brisbane for a short while and then we went back on the islands and then then we got a friendly guy who ended up, yeah, renting to buy, le- allowing us to live in this house in Maclay. So we were there for a reasonable amount of time. Right. But then my mum's plans were off again. And off. we joined, yeah, we go somewhere else. How old were you then? <laughs> I don't know, about 11 or something. We joined an, a group that was going to start a new island community and a sort of utopia. Well, 1966 would have been the year for the utopia. Yeah, it was that's starting. Right. It didn't work out. Where'd anyway. you go? Oh, we went hooning off in a bus, um, a sort of truck actually, mm. to near Mackay, mm. where there was mm. a, a, a mm. sort of shady group of people wanting to buy this island. Mm. Once again, nothing about indigenous history of the no. island. No. Um, but anyway, it didn't work out because no one really, the only one person who had the money ended up buying the island. To piss off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So much for your uh, egalitarian theories. Yeah, it reminds me of the, but, the, was it the Cosmo and Lane going to um, South America. Remember oh, the, yeah. Remember in the 1890s? Mm. And they were all from Queensland. They were Brisbane oh, people. Gee. And they went to Queensland. Oh, not Queensland. They went up to, uh, you know, was it Chile? I can't remember exactly yeah, where it was. Packet got, oh, or no. Peru or somewhere. Yeah, and they I formed know. a little community. Mm. It all disintegrated. Yeah, well, I'm glad we didn't end up on some island. God, way no, off. he knows what could have happened. You could have been, you could be drinking Kool Aid because <laughs> that was the period. You never know what could have happened with those type of people. Yeah, was your mother easily inf- influenced? Oh, uh, no, she was pretty sort of assertive. She mm. didn't really like being patronised, and mm. Mm. and 
you know, she never had any money, so she didn't really have any economic clout in these sort of setups. But then she had, but she was also an artist, so she got this idea, right, we'll leave the islands and we'll go travelling in a bus. Right. So we sold our little house, a little fibro shack, and so we Watch went. the first house you ever owned, she sold to yeah, buy a bus. buy a bus, yep. And so then um, our big media coup was we were written up in the Women's Weekly about, uh, about her, the artist and the two daughters and the animals all heading off in the bus. The animals. The animals, yes. Can you tell us did. about the animals? <laughs> we, had, we had three dogs and two cats and some goldfish at the beginning. At the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> the goldfish didn't survive. They didn't survive no, the trip. But the three dogs and the two cats did. All right. And this was on the bus. Yeah, that's right. So this is 67. Yeah, 67, yeah. 67, right. That's how, it. how far did you go? Oh, we got basically, well, it was always to do with money, like did we have the money for petrol and yep. all that kind of thing. Yep. But it was basically southern Queensland and a bit of new, right. northern New South Wales. We lived on a humanist commune. Mm. What's a um, humanist commune? Oh, well, really it was just a humanist couple and their yep. friends, their children. They had about seven kids and right. then other visitors. And uh, it was, though, at the time which um, Graham Dunstan, I don't know if you've interviewed him. Yes, I have. He remembers... Um, there was a sort of little whole food shop, which again was shocking in Brisbane. Mm, in the was. Um, mm. And Graham, Cathcart, a few other people, they started this thing called Harpo, How About Resisting Powerful Organisations? Mm. And I remember mm. finding that quite exciting, that idea. So those people were around at that time. At 69, 68, 69. Yeah. Yeah, there are things people don't think of Brisbane as a hub of radical activity, but it was in mm. those days. And there was the draft resisting as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. There was the burning of the uh, the CFA. I remember the trucks were burnt. That was 71. I just went on and on. Mm, and also... The closure of the university in 71. The breakdown of Zelman Cowan. Mm. He couldn't deal with all us radicals. I remember all that. And also I got taken to protests. I got taken you to Vietnam. You were taken. Yeah, by you my were, mum. You were... T- <laughs> how old were you? Oh, I was... Probably 15 or oh, something. It was all right. All right. No, right. I loved it. You loved it. What, did you, what did you love about it? Oh, just sort of the excitement getting off the island, going to the moratorium marches. Mm. And then the other funny thing was we went to an anti-Springbok demo. Oh, they were but good. She was, my mum was a bit interested in the Quakers and so we ended up oh. with the Quaker, on the Quaker demo and she used to think, she thought the demo was quite funny because it was meant to be a silent vigil to just mm. shame them yeah, by yeah, staring yeah. at them. Yeah. But instead it was this one woman was really shouting and so my mum thought it was quite funny. It's a quiet place. Yes. With right. Quakers. Yes. Well, it, it is interesting. Quakers always take in odd people. Mm. They've got a mm. history, a mm. positive history of all the religious groups. They have very good history. Have you been to a Quaker um, gathering? No, never really. Yeah, you just sit there and somebody gets up and speaks their mind and they sit down and just look around and wait. Right, my mum did say that people often seem to turn up at Quaker things ready, a little prepared, <laughs> something prepared. Uh, that's not if right. If the spirit they did move, move them, they would. Prepare, if, if the spirit moved them, that's mm. right. Yeah, they're very egalitarian there in that regard. So this is almost an idyllic existence. No school, island hopping, buses. Mm, for sure. Did you learn to read and write? Can oh, I ask Jessica? Yes. You yeah, did. did all that. You did yeah. all that. Correspondence yeah. school was... Correspondence school was fine. I used to like all the nice new stationery arriving. How did they know where you were? You moved oh, so often. Oh, well, and mostly it was on the islands. Mostly we'd given up that sort of stuff by mm. the time we travelled yeah. a lot. Yeah. We just used to say, oh, yes, we're doing it, and people would leave us alone. Right. 
And how long did you travel for? Oh, a couple of years around wow. the place. Mm-hmm. And around that time, I was quite wanting to leave home. Then, you know, sort of age 17. <laughs> yeah, the, the bus. bus. <laughs> and I was very glad when we broke down near wow. a house, and which my mum ended up renting in Mullaney for $4 a week. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and so, well, wages, I don't want to shock you about. <laughs> no, no, and, no. But wages, wages in those days. I remember I was working, and uh, I, must, I must have been twenty. I was getting twenty-eight dollars a week. Mm. So four dollars. It's still cheap. Yeah. Very oh. cheap, Mullaney. Yeah. Because of course, Mullaney Daring area. Therefore, everyone had left. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so anyway, so when they started, my sister and my mum started renting a house and had plans mm. to buy a horse. I thought, right, buy I'm a off. Horse. You're off. Yeah. So I moved down to Brisbane. You just left. Yeah, my mum wasn't that impressed with me leaving, but anyway. Well, she did believe in free spirits. <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> but she was still a mum at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and how old were you then, 16? Oh, uh, yeah, oh, no, more like 17, 18. Oh, well, you're old enough. Everybody, yeah, yeah. In those days, everybody used to leave at 17 or 18. People yeah. don't understand that. You'd left at 17 or 18, had kids at 22, 21, and then mm. waited to die. <laughs> That's the way it was. So did you, did yeah. you follow that, that example? No, no, no not you didn't. Quite. No, no. What happened? Where'd, well, where'd you go to Brisbane? I suppose Brisbane. Not West End, did you? No, not no. Uh, not then. Right. I was in share houses around St Lucia and ah, got yes. flooded in 77. Okay. No. Was the, it? The big flood was 74. 74. Okay, we got flooded then. Yeah. yeah. You want to hear and my f- flood story? Yeah. It's it's quite pathetic, but it's interesting. We me and my partner then we uh we were living in a room on top of a pub next to the Brisbane River, right? Right? Now, I've got a picture of this. It's quite extraordinary. And those days, you didn't have TV or radio or all that internet, all that garbage. You know, you didn't. And you, there's always rain. You never cared. So we went to bed. And at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I had a call of nature. Mm. And I put my, we had this little bed, and I put my feet out, and it was wet. And the water had actually gone up the top floor. It was up in the top floor. And it was about three feet high. And we put our heads out and woke her up, and we put our heads right janet up and we put our heads out the window and started screaming right. and this boat came along a rowboat yeah, yeah. yeah we jumped in the rowboat and it yeah. took us to the other side well similar to us the yeah, rowboats all around oh yeah. well, we're okay we're high up but we end up helping you're always up. high aren't you in the heads <laughs> that's right um so yeah our backyard got flooded but that was it but we helped some of the neighbors yeah, um yeah, yeah. and oh there were various dramas like st lucia's quite a posh area so yeah. there was the local and one of the magistrates lived down the hill and so mm. we got to go in and help help them get out, but also I got to play a piano underwater. Oh, right. <laughs> Just to feel what it was like. There's a, there's a lot of crazy things like that going on. I've actually got a photo of us uh, kind of shivering on the on the bank and there's yeah. there's a little kid and there's – because it was a real flood. Yeah, that's huge right. Huge flood, 74. Huge. And a slightly mad guy who was very into fitness, he went and swam in the Brisbane River while it was flooding just to see if he could. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Mm. A lot of people like that. Yeah, 74, I've got great memories yeah. of Breakfast Creek disappeared. <clears throat> Just disappeared, you know. The pup. Mm. It was just amazing. Oh, we never went back to that room. There's no point. Mm. Now, so yeah. flood. What happens after okay. the flood? Okay. Oh well, um, I started getting involved with political agitation. But, but first of all, how were you living? Can I ask? Oh, living. Oh, I was clean. I had a cleaning job, right. and it was um, from mm. six till ten, so it mm-hmm. meant I had the day free. Yeah. And I got involved with this campaign to try and stop the freeway in Bowen Hills. Oh yes, yeah. And and that was pretty full time job, mm-hmm. as in yeah. Remember in those days, Bjelke Peterson was king. Yeah. And and the uh, Queensland police were as mm. corrupt and as 
bad and as evil and as nasty as ever. Yeah, and the, the uh, main roads department, they were enemies as well because mm. we we ended up barricading ourselves into the houses on the freeway mm. route. Mm. And, of course, they came in, ripped into everyone. Every, all the guys had long hair. Yeah. One guy had a whole chunk of his hair pulled out by yep. the roots. Yep. And and the, the funny thing, we barricaded ourselves and survived for a while, but unfortunately the people were thrown out and the freeway went through. Mm. But the nasty thing they did was inform people that their house was going to be compulsorily purchased but just by a letter in the letterbox. Mm. So you'd be minding your own business living in this little house. And then there were small houses. Yeah. But we barricaded ourselves into one house and we had plans to make it into a women's refuge, which was really needed at the time. The funny story is we were all in there ready and we heard that we thought they were coming the next day. So we're on... Um, alert and we heard we said listen you can hear the bulldozers vroom vroom anyway it was the rubbish trucks (laughs) (laughs) but anyway yeah Yeah, all those houses are no more people can't uh, believe what it was like I remember this sounds like old people farting on but I remember Senator George Georges oh yeah we used to use his photocopier that's right he was the only radical in parliament Mm. you know he was you know really left and uh, he was hated by the Bjelke Peterson government and I remember I was standing next to him in a demonstration and the cops just made a beeline for this little bloke. He's about five foot two, rotund, yep. you know, and uh, they just made a beeline for him. This is a senator, mind you. This is the Queensland cop. Just made a beeline, beat him senseless and chucked him in the back of the, the divvy van. God. And this is, this is, this is, this is the treatment that's been meted out to a political representative. Yeah. It was, it was oh. like that in that era. Yeah, gangs, yeah. And, I'm, and do you remember the line down the middle of the pavement? People don't believe that. If yeah. you're leaving a demo, yeah. they would do you for step walking on the wrong side of the pavement. Well, it hasn't changed. If you have a demo outside Southern Cross Station here, mm. which is private oh, property, yeah. mm. there is a line in the footpath, seriously, mm. gives you 94 centimetres and they've got the rest. And every few months, the Wednesday Action Group yeah. goes there to give them a yeah. hard time and, you know, take over the, the whole thing. You lot of trouble. No, no, we're not <laughs> trouble. We're just, we're protectors. Yeah, we don't. Definitely. We don't call it, we're, we're protectors of the public. Mm. We're public protectors, mm. not public prosecutors. Yeah. So what I'm saying, it's still here. Oh, and, it's, and they enforce it. They come, yeah. they come down. Mm. Yeah, but you're right. The, the line and, uh, um, and then they had that, then you couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't, you shouldn't couldn't, show banners because right, even yeah. if you're going home with a rolled up banner, they'd yeah. come up behind you and say you were displaying that. Okay, we're yeah, arresting yeah. you, blah blah. And then you couldn't have more than three people at a demonstration. When they... <laughs> and then you couldn't have poles. You had to rolled up cardboard. That's right. Remember that? That was a real pain. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, lively, lively yeah. times, and I suppose that's what got me addicted to activism. Really, yeah. and I think the fact is that we kept saying they were corrupt, and you know, and. Guess yeah. what? Yeah. Fifteen years later, the, mm. the chief commissioner, Mr. Lewis, is jailed for seven years. Yeah. You well, know. see, I missed a lot of that because I left. You le- when did you leave? <laughs> Why? Or when? No, when? Oh, 79, I what left. What did you leave for? Well, um, it was really just well, the you're idea. 24. You should have. Yeah. No, 20. Yeah, 24. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really the idea of some excitement and there were cheap fares going, go Excuse to Excuse me, wasn't was, was there enough oh. excitement in Brisbane? <laughs> yeah, there was. But they also were coming down quite heavily on us. They be- were, um, yeah. And they, the special branch would say, oh, hello, Jessica, yes. to you when you turned up at a demo. <laughs> That's right. And you just felt quite exposed. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were following us home, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they weren't adverse to putting drugs no, on no. your or saying you possess drugs and yeah. you know taking you to court and it was just totally corrupt. The whole and system. I know that yeah. it did take a, a toll all that time of mm. you know people getting everyone getting arrested and all that mm. because when I went to New Zealand and to visit visit some of the New Zealand anarchists actually, 
I kept having dreams about Brisbane. So mm. it obviously had entered my subconscious and, you know, mm. Oh. Mm. but it, I mean, it was definitely lively. So you went from Brisbane to New Zealand? Oh, just for a visit because my mum had decided to go over there. Oh, she was trapped. But, <laughs> <laughs> but her thing was, oh, you know, they sacked Whitlam. Oh, I'm leaving. Oh, that's the end, yeah. yeah. And they, and but they, it was a good excuse. And they, and they gave her the fare to leave. <laughs> Most Maybe. So, where did you go first when you went overseas? Oh, well, La- well, London, of course. London, of course, yeah. yes. Um, London. Slightly behind all the sort of famous uh, yeah. uh, London You missed the, you missed the 68, 69. Yeah, like to- Jermaine Greer and all that. But it was definitely great to be anonymous in a big city mm-hmm. um, and sort of, well, to have all the squatting happening, which was I was already experienced in from Brisbane and also Sydney. Um then it um, meant, you know, pl- free places to live, bit, you know, work. There was a bit of work around wow. the place. So, yeah, it was mm. – and it was great. And to also have established little anarchist circles, although we found that a lot of people didn't get on with each other. Some anarchists wouldn't visit if you went – if you lived south of the river. Well, I can understand that. <laughs> and, uh, I don't visit anybody north of the river uh, yeah, here in Melbourne. There was Freedom Bookshop, which is still <laughs> going in yeah, London. Yeah. And so – yeah, it was a lively, lively time to sort of be, yeah, um, mm. fully able and run mm. around the place, go to lots of demos. There's never no shortage of embassies. If something went wrong mm. in another part of the world, you could go and protest outside an embassy. Whereas in Wonthaggy, there's a, a severe lack of that. What embassies? <laughs> yeah, no embassies. Well, there are no consulates or embassies no, in Wonthaggy. No, no, it's really bad. Oh, yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. Maybe we can get the Indonesian students. Yep. Well, no, open thanks. up a consulate there. You can you can plant your West Papuan flag. In <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. That would be great. Yeah, well, you know there's but, um, somebody going to court tomorrow over that. Really? Yeah, I did yeah. know I did hear that they were going to really go yeah, well, go for him. Well, he he uh, he um put up a flag, yeah. embarrassed them and the foreign minister actually lambasted the Australian government for mm. not doing anything and uh it's Mr. Snotter and he will be in court tomorrow mm. and there is a solidarity uh Rally outside the magistrates' court starting at nine a.m. So if right. you see some West Papuan flags, say hello. Mm, excellent. So, but we thought we could get them to move because they've got so much trouble in Melbourne. They could move to one faggy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, right. You'd be happy be about welcome, that, yeah? Because then you'd have something to do. Oh, not not necessarily. <laughs> the, uh, West Papuans would be welcome. I don't know about the Indonesian embassy. Well, but you told me there's nothing to do. In the <laughs> oh well, actually, I come rushing into the big city when I want to do that kind of thing. Right. Some of the time. Yeah, but we should try to accommodate our regional. Colleagues, yeah, you know, that's right. You know. So, how long did you last overseas for? Oh, okay, ten years. Ten years. What, yeah, in I went for, 10 for years? a year. Oh no, I went to America for a year as well, right, right. and we did trips over to Europe. We mm-hmm. were part of the Anarcho Syndicalist Federation in Britain, so mm-hmm. we'd visit. If it was an IWA conference, we'd be over there meeting the French or the Spanish mm-hmm. companions. Really good, really inspiring, mm-hmm. and I think probably my best memory of that is. There was a delegate from the CNT and there was a big argument about something, which was, again, hard to follow because it was in a few languages. There was no instantaneous translation in those days. But Mm. um, the guy wouldn't budge. And everyone went, oh, what's up with the CNT delegate? He won't budge. And then he explained, I can't change my mandate. My whole branch has mandated me with this position. I can't just add a drop of a hat to conciliate in this meeting, change my position. Oh, well, he's wrong. Ah, right. As a okay. delegate, he's wrong. He could actually conciliate and then say, we don't accept this decision. I have to take it back to my well, branch or my yeah. members to endorse it. 
Well, so it, it, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying the CNT had to work, no. but I just was impressed yeah. by that because I, yeah. I you know, what? it's a tr- traditional. Oh no, no! Oh well, <laughs> I was impressed by the fact that he wasn't acting as an individualist. He was acting yeah. with responsibility yeah. Yeah. for how, the people he was representing. Yeah. But of course, the IWA could set up an overnight, instant—I um, forget what they called them now. Um, anyway, instant working group, and that would just meet all night to try and come to a resolution That's if right. there were problems. So I thought that was impressive. Well, you've got to have you got to have a resolution. I think the, work, the way delegates. This mistake a lot of people make, you know, representation, people understand. You give somebody a blank cheque and they do what they, <laughs> yeah, they well, like. That's... With a delegate, you have a mandate. But yeah. but if you want it to work and you want to coordinate things, you really have to give mm. your delegate the ability to negotiate yes, and then right. to come back Exactly, for and then have it ratified, yeah. Yeah, or, 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 or you know, not agreed to. Yeah. yeah it's the but... only way it works. Otherwise, it's just it's disaster. I mean, we were trying to build the Federation in mm. Britain and that mm. really came into its own in 1984 because mm. there was the miners' strike. So rather than being individuals with certain concerns in our local, in local groups, mm. there was this, play, this um, mm. whole conflict which sort of the whole country was following. Mm. So, yeah. Did you go to Sweden to see the state of Federation there? No, I didn't, but I did meet them. Yeah, because they, obviously they were different because they weren't part yeah, of Yeah, that's were, right. They had their own uh, agenda like the Koreans you mm. know, they weren't part of it. Oh, or, you know, met all kinds of interesting people, whether I could actually communicate with them because yeah. of all the language barriers. You didn't learn but, Esperanto? Mm, well, actually there was Esperanto around when I was a kid, but um, no, not at that time, unfortunately. Because a lot of those delegates would know Esperanto in those days, yeah. not now. Mm. In those days. Yeah, for sure. It's 4.32. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Young Andy the Princely has been appointed by Her Highness, the Right Royal Empress, Her Majesty Dale Bridge, to delegate it for her. She, he's delegating for her today. He's pressing the buttons. Have you fallen asleep yet, Andy? Seeing no, two old farts, amazing story. Two old farts, remember in the good old days? Which sounds, were actually bad. Sounds we, amazing. <laughs> they were bad, but we think they were good. Yeah, now because it's the really coloured. Well, apparently every time you tell an anecdote, you remember it slightly differently. That's right. So. Yeah. You do. Yeah, you do. So I could yeah. reinvent myself as the um, hero of yeah. a lot of these things. Well, it's not a hero. You go to McClay Island, you can think tetanus, botulism, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, "Oh, it was a happy child running around." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you came back. What made you come back? Oh, I came back. Oh, well, okay. So um, I was pregnant with my daughter. Right. And that's a good so, reason. Yeah. Good health care. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And also 10 years of fair lump of time. Mm. I was quite keen to see my mum again. Mm-hmm. And um, You didn't so, mention your sister. Were you keen to see uh, your sister? Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Good Let's get that <laughs> but right. My, but, um, yeah, my mum had gone, come over to visit a few times right. as well. Um, she had an excuse so, to keep travelling. That's right, yes. And uh, we did live in Brixton when we were in London, so, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she didn't much like Brixton. We went down to Greenham Common together before. Um, oh, that's lovely. Do- yeah. Mother and daughter. Yeah, that, that's that right. Been, that but she said her moment. memory of Brixton was the um, frost glistening on a used condom in the street. <laughs> so, well, that, I, I would agree with her vision of Brixton. I was there, I think it was in 81. No, Oh, eighty one. No, no. When was um? I was there in eighty one, but I was there before that. When did 
what's her name get married to Biggie? Oh, that was eighty one. Was it? Yeah, I was in America in eighty one, so I missed all the dramas of basically riots breaking out all through Britain. You missed all that. You're there for ten years, and you missed the the exciting times. It's yeah, Um, but uh, I was in America, and that was interesting as well because I lived in New York when. When a whole lot of the areas that are now apparently incredibly trendy and you probably can't move for coffee shops, etc., yeah. um, were actually burnt out hulks mm. in the South Bronx yeah. and also in even the Lower East Side. So there was a bit of squatting and a bit of activism. Mm. Yeah, um, New York's never been a big activist centre, has it? No, well, no, I also city. lived in a derelict house in upstate New York. Mm. That mm. was that would be nice. That was nice. That was rural yeah, retreat. Have some running water for a change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you came back. You're pregnant. Where do you go? Oh well, see my friends, meet up with my friends. Well, they haven't forgotten you. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Margaret and Peter, and and I en- ended up living in Coburg. Oh, Coburg. Yeah, but, but this was what twenty years ago. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't trendy then. No, it's just that's right. It was just cheap a rent. Normal, yeah, yeah, normal house. And. Uh, and so, in fact, I used to, and so I had my daughter and then followed by my was, son. Was it, was it a, a hard pregnancy? Oh, no, it was fine, fine, really. With my son, I had him on the way to on the, the hospital. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He so was keen to come to the world. <laughs> he was keen. My daughter says he was keen to come and hassle her. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it was just a little bit of, of confusion about right. different methods. And yeah, so yeah. I had him on the way. So I should have called him Van. Van, exactly. Because I had yeah. him in my the van. van. Right. <laughs> but, um, was there anybody else in the van to oh, help yeah. you? Oh, yeah. My partner oh, um, good. Um, good. was driving, yes, yeah. and Rebecca was there as well. Rebecca. And how old um, was she then? How, how old was she? Yeah, yeah. two-ish, yeah. Two she wouldn't be half. much help, would she? No, like, no. The delivery, would she? <laughs> no. <laughs> she did say, oh, Gareth's here. Cause Gareth's here. Oh, you yeah, named him before. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> Here you are. Where was the van at this stage? Uh, in Brunswick. In Brunswick. We were supposed somewhere. to be picking up a birth partner. Well, we didn't get up to that. The birth right. already had happened. <laughs> right. Oh, we, our friend was going to look after Rebecca while it was all happening. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, so here you are. You're in the back of the van, I assume. Yeah. Panting right. away. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca's in the back of the van. Rebecca's in the front. Asleep. Restrained. Asleep. Yes, that's Asleep. Right. Yeah. But how did she know Gareth's? Oh, camp? she woke up yeah, when right. we actually went over a speed bump. Right <laughs> in Brunswick, she woke up and, yeah, yeah. and, and she he was out. crying a bit. And, and she oh, looked and she looked. Oh, there he is. There's yeah. me brother. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, you couldn't the, write that script, could you? No. What did your right. poor partner do there? Oh well, he was panicking. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> he was driving and panicking. Yeah. But yeah, I used to bring my daughter in here to three CR because yeah. we were helping on the sewer show at mm. the time, mm. and I did a cart once about. Why people should donate to listen, you know, become listener sponsors, and we said, "What do we, we think of people who don't become listener sponsors?" And then I walked out of the room, so she started to cry, and then that was sort of oh, like a bit of audio. Oh, that's lovely. Um, yeah. So, so, how old is your daughter now? Uh, <laughs> just a minute, twenty-seven. And your son? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Oh, that's good. No more children after that. No, no, that's Two's enough. Yeah, you've done your right. duty. Yeah, you've done your biological. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, so, what type of work? After they were born, what type of work were you doing? Because once you've got kids, it gets difficult. Yeah, well, before before I I didn't mention the fact I did an electrical apprenticeship when I was in London. 
Do, so we, do we recognise those London degrees? Oh, yeah, you do. We oh. do here. Um, oh, you just have to do an overseas electrician's exam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I did that kind of work. Maintenance of places, maintenance mm-hmm. of places that it's better not to have a male tradie, mm-hmm. such as refuges and so on. Right. Um, so I did that kind of thing, and I used to sometimes bring my kids along, um, and then people would look after them while I'd do the work. Oh, yeah, makes sense. But, um, but... The apprenticeship in London was really good because I, I left the sort of squatting scene and met a whole lot of new people who were all part who are all electricians around South London. Mm. How long was the apprenticeship? Oh, four years. Four years. Yeah. And so who, pre- who took you on? Oh well, <laughs> don't look so suspicious. Um, it was the first of all, it was the Greater London Council, right, right. which was you know got abolished by Thatcher. And we used to see Ken Livingston wandering around the oh, halls. Yeah, poor old Ken. <laughs> yeah, and then it that then it became the school's authority. So, so that's we, why you got that opportunity. They were, they were kind of wanting for the, more for, women to. Yeah, that's right. Was a whole positive discrimination yeah, thing yeah, they called it, yeah. and that means for the first time I was around schools really, which you is didn't think funny that in bad. itself. As an electrician, it was yeah. fine because you're wandering mm-hmm. in, and mm-hmm. you'd have funny interactions with the kids, and they'd say, "What are you doing? You know, how come you're doing wiring?" Yeah. You're not wearing high heels, you know, all yeah. that. And yeah. so we'd have a good time. Yeah, good. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a, a very personal question. I haven't yet. Here we go. Yeah, look, uh, this is going to be really hard for me because it's the type of thing you really don't want to ask a mother who didn't send her kids to school. Did you send your children to school? Yeah, I did. You did? But Why? Not, oh, well, at the beginning I didn't. They mm. did homeschooling. For how, how long did they um, do that for? Uh, basically through primary years. They right. either did homeschooling right. or they did um, going to a community school. Right, but that's school. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, oh, it was really that I could see that um, from that my mum had escaped using the sort of legal system as it was, which is only if you're a certain number of miles from a school can mm. you do correspondence school. Yeah. Homeschooling to me is something that's just good to have give the kids plenty of time to just play and do whatever. But the advantages of schools are the social scene and so on mm. and, uh, you know, having a bit of a crew. Mm. And we didn't have that when I was a kid, so I could see I wanted to really have a bit of the best of both. Right. So so they're not blaming you for not being vets, are they, like your sister oh, and your no, mother? No, they no, no. To... Actually, they're both... They've both been to uni right. and they've both finished that. Mm-hmm. What, have, what, um, what do they what feel? Just oh, okay. Um, well, my daughter, philosophy, mm-hmm. um, and my son's um, graphic design. Must have been your uh, fascination for push that got into a philosophy, I reckon. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah. well, she, you know, she just loves talking about ideas and politics herself. So, mm. um, so yeah, that's the sort of yeah. So really, um, if you think about it, I suppose. The academic thing did work for them, but I certainly think that when kids are young, the idea that they have to be instantly socialised when they're five years old on the dot, and that if they don't, if they don't experience the school type socialisation, that they're going to be, you know, unable to yeah misfits unable to relate to people. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, people coming up to me to my mum saying, "Oh, how are they going to relate to other people?" Or, you know, what's going to, you know... Are they going to bite gonna... it? Are going to bite my kids if I send them to the place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. Totally uncivilised. I just think anyway. with, ed- with mm. school, school education for kids, and I've done lots of sort of interviews about that kind of thing, it's just mm. really how, how mm. if the kids take to it. Mm. Some kids will take to school, some won't. Right. Uh, have you been... How long have you been... When did you... Are you still working as an electrician? Oh, no. Unfortunately, arthritis hit me in my knees. So mm, I've sort occupational of... Occupational hazard. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, plenty of the electricians had bad backs. Yeah. And at our workplace, we did make um, 
you know, we were able to organise the work, so those people did the more maintenance-type jobs. But in the end, it does sort of get you because as an electrician, you're up in roofs and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to get the stuff done, really. Well, you have to, that's right. Um, what, whatever your knees are <laughs> saying at the time. Yeah. But so now I just um, work part time doing campaigning. Campaigning, that's on not work. Lockdown. No. You don't get paid. I do get paid a little bit. Well, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. I've yeah. always wanted to be a professional protester, yeah. but I've never actually got paid. So <laughs> I may be right. applying for your job. <laughs> oh, do you have right. to live in one thing? <laughs> no. You oh, good. Be good. <laughs> All right, let's go back a few steps. So here you are. Were you a single parent or? Oh, no, no I did have a partner, partner around for some of the time. time. Yeah, yeah, which is always useful when kids are young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did you first mosey into 3CR? Oh, well, that would have been um, sometime around um, 90, the early 90s. Right, yeah. what made you come here? Oh, well, probably because people were already doing the sewer show. Mm, sewer uh, show. Squatters what, and sewage? Unraged. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Squatters and Unraged. Well, I know, you know, that one. Well, um, listeners may but, not. Listeners true. Listeners may not. True. We may, have a new, we may have an audience that doesn't listen oh, yeah. to free CR so program. So it was quite a fun thing to do to bring my kids in and, mm. and stuff like that because mm. you are limited in what you can do as an activist when you've got young kids. That's right. But um, but at the same time, I did take my kids to play. I think my son's first demo was the Auntie Kenneth demos, that, which were big. Oh, that were big. And unfortunately, I also took my daughter to a picket line, which could have been quite risky, I found yeah, out later. Later on, that's right. But only, you only find out afterwards that mm. people, scabs were throwing stuff off the roof. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, anyway, luckily we survived that. And, um, and so, yeah, my kids have always known that I'm a short fuse in regards to protests. <laughs> short fuse? I've got a short fuse as in I'm ready nah. to go. Oh, you're ready to go, but you know, I don't see you as a violent oh, revolutionary. No. No, um, no. I think I'm part... You're forceful. I'm you're part forceful. hooligan as well, I well, know. No, no, no. You're just <laughs> forceful. You're forceful. Prote- you're a forceful protector yeah. of public interests. Well, I did have to give <laughs> my daughter the ba- a bag the other day, my bag, because I was involved. What, you're going to hit somebody of- with a handbag? <laughs> no. I was just accidentally involved with um, a little bit of rough stuff. Um, oh, right. no, it wasn't me doing it. No, no, we won't talk about that. No. So you seem to have had a good life. Well, in all these, yeah, exactly. I've su- I've survived living in, I suppose, places that are regarded as a bit dodgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't had any major illnesses or anything. No, it's, no, you um, seem to have a very, I mean, but you've structured that. You've done that. You've yeah. made decisions. I suppose, yeah. No, you've done you've done that. And obviously you do have a great legacy to tribute to your mother. Definitely. You yeah. Know, yeah, for you, sure. You've done things in a way that she would have liked to have done them, I think, but she yeah. wasn't able to Yeah, because of things like being hard to go overseas. I mean she always mm. had a big attraction for Europe. Mm. Um as mm. in, you know, probably the the yeah. German boyfriend, yeah. etc. Um, so yeah, definitely took advantage of things like fl- um, the, there were flights there, so mm. you could leave the country. The other thing you've done, which a lot of people don't do, is you actually got a trade. I, I, I really worry about activists who do nothing mm. except be activists, well, because they lose they lose contact with the real world. Well, I was very in my twenties. I was very anti work, really. Mm. Mm. You know, um, but. When I started working as an electrician, I sort of changed that because I could see there were so- plenty of socially useful things you can do, un- you know, within the capitalist system. I well, suppose right. we need to survive. 
Yeah, and also it was partly because with squatting, I mean, I had a boyfriend who was an electrician and people used to lie and wait for him. They were so desperate for him to look at their wiring. <laughs> Just in case they electrocuted themselves. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of bodgy wiring in squatting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you made a big move. You went to Wonthaggy. Oh, me. yeah. When so, was that? Oh, Wonthaggy. Well, I did go back over to the UK for a while. You went back. Um, yeah. What, so, after the kids grew up or you oh, took the kids No, when you? the kids were youngish, yeah. partly pressurised by my mum who decided it was time to go to England. <laughs> so. You're a woman with two kids in her 30s. How could you be pressurised by yeah. your mum? Oh, well, I was also pressurised by my partner. Oh, right. So it was two against one. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. So yeah. we went over there and that's where I got involved with a campaign which now I'm working in, right. which is the campaign against GM food. And against Monsanto and, you know, the whole corporate control of seed and so on. What's wrong with having seeds that you can't plant? <laughs> or seeds that are, you have to pay. Uh, yeah, uh, pay, yeah, that's pay right. To, what's wrong with that? Seeds that can't, don't make seeds. <laughs> yeah, well. It, I don't know what's wrong with you people. What's wrong hits. with giant zucchinis? <laughs> well, giant zucchinis we've got already. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I got involved with that campaign a bit and with the um, – while the kids were sort of getting a bit older. This is, this is in England. In the UK. And, and you got that, paid? Oh, not over there, no. but when I came back, yeah. What, they want, they want to establish a beachhead here in Australia? <laughs> well, it's actually amazingly international, the campaign about mm. against GM, because what happens in Europe affects us. Um, I mean, I don't want to bang on about no, bang GM on about, for too yeah. long. But, um, but basically, if we've managed to segregate GM and non-GM canola, which is um, one of the crops that we grow yeah. in Australia, and so it means that we can sell directly to Europe our non-GM and we get yeah. $35 per tonne yeah. more than the GM. So yeah. immediately we've got an advantage yeah. there. And so they don't, the GM companies don't like that at all. And so... There's a whole lot of things to do with that and there's the fact that people are becoming more aware of food and mm. and also GM equals sort of monopoly and injustice and there are people in South That's America it. being sprayed with glyphosate just so that they can sp- – their whole villages are sprayed just so they can spray the crops all around. So there's a whole yeah. lot of reasons why it sort of fits mm. with my world view. But, but yeah, it does, did happen because I took my kids to Europe to, England at a time when I knew they were bringing GM in right. and I didn't really want to have a whole lot of things like there was Mad Cow was happening, CJD. So I was really aware of the fact I'm taking them into this. I better watch myself. There's nothing wrong with feeding sheep to cows. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and what about feeding chickens their own yeah, feet? Yeah, I've yeah. heard that. They're, yeah, they're, from nothing wrong with that. Chicken catch. Pretty normal. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I think Don't I worry. might eat my own feet, yeah. <laughs> How long did you last in England this time? That time, five years. Five years? Yeah. And what made you come back again? Oh, um, uh, sort of. Oh, yeah, split up with my partner. That helps, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to come back and he didn't want to and then eventually he said, okay, we'll come back because we're still, still friends and everything. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, so that. But, yeah, it was an interesting little bit of life to see. Actually, to see Britain after Thatcher was gone with people with all this hope of Tony Blair and so on, that was pretty disgusting because everyone, as we all know, wasn't going to end well. But mm, mm. And there was the build-up to the Iraq war and mm. so on. So, yeah, but it was an interesting time to be there. So um, what year did you come back? Um, uh, 2003. 2003. Yeah. So, so you've been here, what, 13 years? Yeah. Back. Have you noticed any changes? Um, 
Um, and I suppose the biggest one is the technological changes. That, that really stands out. You mean in those years? Yeah, that you've been um, back, you know. Uh, more us as Gentrification. A, more us as a people. Oh, than, I think we are more international now, naturally, because of technological advances. And I think we're more linked in with campaigns, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, like Occupy couldn't have, would have been very hard to happen if we're using snail mail, you yeah, know. Yeah. And those sort of things build up people's um, optimism. I think we're sadly lacking in optimism and right now, and we've got plenty of reasons not to be optimistic if you think about environmental mm. degradation. Reminds me of the late, not that I was alive, the late 1920s and early 1930s. Yeah. It's the same type mm. of lack of hope. Yeah, because everywhere right. you look, there's something that you mm. thought you'd buried and killed and buried years ago, and it's yeah. zombie-like. It's coming out of the ground and saying, "Hello, yeah, I'm right. here. Racism, I'm here. That's right. You know, authoritarianism, I'm here. Yeah. You didn't bury me. That's mm. the way I, I look at it. Everywhere. Um, in Wonthaggy, interestingly mm. hang enough. On, hang on, hang on, okay. hang on. How did you get to Wonthaggy? Oh, this is okay. what I'm interested. Oh, right. In. Okay. Someone said, "Okay, you can come and live in my house." Um, for a month, and there's a community school there. Your kids can go if they want. What year was this? This was 2003. Right. Oh, when you got back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pretty right. handy. I didn't and here's the, key, there. And here's the key to my van. He's the key to my van. Yeah. Right. Very nice friend. Yeah. And then I lived in someone's holiday house for six months with the mm. kids, mm-hmm. and that was fine except when they wanted to have their holiday house. <laughs> we had to go somewhere else. Well, you had a van. Yeah. And you had experience. Right. Yeah. And Did you so, have dogs and cats? No, no we oh. avoided that. <laughs> And then I managed to get a very good mortgage um, mm-hmm. in Wonthaggy because houses are cheap yep. um, because, of course, it used to be in mining towns, not anymore. So that so I ended up with this kind of mortgage which is similar to what you pay for a room oh, in a share yeah. house yep. these days. Yeah, yep. which is good. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's a nice place to live. There isn't really much work and there are, there are the problems of isolation and um, – and there's no bookshop. <laughs> I no. quickly went to a bookshop Pretty earlier today. Right. Um, but there's plenty of potential for the same kind of things that... But you've now lived there 13 years. Yeah. And unless something catastrophic happens, you're going to die there. <laughs> well, I have thought about that, you not know. dying Im- immediately. But yeah. No, no, I but I mean, I mean, you're now to, in mid-60s, can, yeah. getting to your mid-60s, well, yeah. early 60s. I mean, I can think of worse places and... Um, I love the fact that I'm right next to this fairly untouched, beautiful bit of coastline. Mm. Um, and so it, got, it links into my past, you know, childhood living yeah. on, um, on islands. So there are lots of good reasons for being there. And the sort of isolate, I feel some political isolation living there. But then I can always listen to 3CR, ha-ha. And uh, I, mean, well. I mean that in a, in a positive way that yeah. you can get 3CR and I go on quite a few mm. of the sh- – or when we're involved with our biggest campaign down there, which is the desalination plant, yeah. Yeah. I used to come on your show and yeah. tell you the latest and, and on Kevin Healy's show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but recent – in fact, in the last two weeks I've discovered there's been an, there's another anarchist living in Wonthaggy. You found another anarchist <laughs> yes, in Wonthaggy. Yes, that's right. And, uh, you found so, them. Not a C&T type, hopefully. <laughs> um, Somebody's it, a bit more malleable. <laughs> well, really because we started an unemployed, a branch of the Unemployed Workers' Union, right. as in we only started at the beginning of this month. Right. So I've got hopes of that mm. um, because there's a lot of yeah, despondency and, and of course, with the whole um, – and wealth, the debts that they've been slamming on people and trying to force people who have got disabilities um, yeah. to be on new start. Well, it's quite horrendous what's happening, and people don't understand it. It's as mm. if the government has declared war and everybody's got a social security benefit, whether it's old age, disability, yeah. um, single parenting, yeah. youth allowance. It's, mm. it's a war. 
yeah, I've got one. My daughter's got one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so what we want to do is just build a bit of support and solidarity with that and see what happens, really. Mm. But um, there are plenty of other things. There's environmental groups, there's climate change um, action stuff happening. This is all in one faggy. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, good. And, you, and you've been part of creating that. Well, yeah, I'm part of it, yeah. yeah. Well, you have. Huh. Now, let's, let's, let's look. You're a very hardworking activist. Let's take mm. credit. Mm. I mean, you have done a lot of work in that area, in that regional Victoria. Mm. And uh, people don't understand the importance of the individual sometimes mm. in initiating action. Yeah. I mean, initiating is one thing, but then growing, it's different. Well, initiating it. yeah. that's why I want to tell you about the yeah. D-cell plant because that was an amazing sort of thing where people just decided, right, that we're not having it. So mm. we were ultimately unsuccessful, but it mm. started a whole networking thing and those people are still um, active right. and that started much wider networks like going to work in an industry yeah, you get yeah. you get to know a lot more people mm. in fact i did an interview on 3cr a few weeks ago with jan bartlett about the fact they still can't get the desalination plant to work what i want the water <laughs> and we're paying 1.8 million per day just to keep it sitting there not working that's all right <laughs> but you don't want to, you want to build homes for homeless people <laughs> Yeah, well, people are talking about all these things. Like, maybe we could turn it into a fish farm. Or... Yeah, it could be, yeah. Well, there's a <laughs> problems at Port Macquarie. Maybe we get the salmon across here. Mm. Now, have you got any advice? Okay. Any advice for listeners? Okay. You've well, been around a long time. I think mainly just grab hold of something that really fires you up and then hold on to it like a terrier. Um, so because, you're, you're a long-haul activist. Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of people say, oh, I'm not sure what to do. Well, you sort of have to find the thing that really fires you up, that fires you in the belly, and then find a few people who are similarly inclined and just sort of do it really. But definitely I'm happy when I'm sort of confronting authority, like we occupied our local MP's office and we brought our pyjamas <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and our dressing gowns and people went outside the <laughs> the office wearing pyjamas in solidarity we only stayed in the end we didn't plan on getting arrested and it stayed for about half a day but i love it when we can confront authority in that Mm. way and it takes in a way it shows the state there you know Mm. so you you think there is still a a role for the lone activist lone activist well it's better if you can be collective yes yes but it's okay to be Alone, I suppose, yeah. as well. And do people look at you in the street and want to thank you? Oh, yeah, sometimes. I stood do as they an come in- up and say hello? Oh, yeah. yeah. But they were, I've also stood as an independent councillor, so they oh. sort of know, some people know me from that, and I didn't get oh. anywhere with that, but anyway. Well, next time you stand, let me know, and I'll be your campaign manager. Oh, and yeah. you'll get And you'll get elected. Well, I could also be yours. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's a hopeless task. <laughs> You've got much better presentation than I have. <laughs> you know, Jessica, you're much, much, much better human being. So do the children come and visit you? Oh, yes, they do. Well, my daughter does and my son does every now and again. He's just got a job, his first proper job doing what he's trained to do. Right, right. As in um, two days ago. Oh, excellent. (laughs) So I don't expect him to come down that often. Have you ever thought, look, I'm going to put an idea in your head. Have you ever thought of doing a regional program on 3CR and actually Mm. not have to come in because of technology and actually have a half-hour slot to tell yeah. us what's happening in the regions. Yeah, certainly. And interviewing people. Ever thought of that? Ever thought I have of, thought of doing it. Ever, ever thought of make, making an application? I'm happy to support it. Okay. Not yeah. that it'll get you far, but if you get people like Jan and that. Yeah, for because, sure. Because of the technological innovation, it's something that could be done, I reckon. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be great, and I think it'd be places like Geelong yeah, yeah. would be another yeah. good area yeah. and possibly further yeah, east. Get, yeah. Bruce Pascoe is doing yeah. some great stuff with Yeah, them. I mean, you get them all together and yeah. uh, link them up and bingo. Mm. 
Well, Jessica Harrison, thank you very much for coming on Radical Australia. It was a pleasure talking to you. And once again, I've known you for a long time and it's been a pleasure knowing you over the years. And what I like about you is that you've got an open mind. You don't carry the burden of historical certainty on your shoulders and you're happy to experiment as far as strategy is concerned. And a lot of radical activists and anarchists have forgotten about experimentation as the key. And you've got to change as circumstances Certainly. Change. Thanks very much. And thank you very much. Jessica, and all the best to you and your family and all the activists at One Faggy Way. Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows Everybody knows.